everybody and welcome back inside the Shark Tank for another episode of the podcast. Uh, first of all, we just want to say it's great to be back here in the main pod. If you're not a Patreon supporter, we did do a Autumn Nation series reaction set of podcasts on, on the Patreon for our, for our uh, uh, patrons. Um, but obviously with, uh, with no sale for a couple of weeks, we, we've obviously um, not had a main pod for a couple of weeks. So it's great to be back. My name is Lewis and I'm joined by my co-host Alex. And uh, Alex, how, how good to have uh, South Sharks Rugby back. Yeah, it definitely is, mate. It's um, it's a very weird sort of time in the season where we get a bit of rugby and then we have a week or two off again. Um, so it's nice to be back in the Premiership and even nicer to be winning and keeping ourselves nice and uh, clear at the top of the table. I think it's uh, when you look at how everyone else has done this weekend, it's a, a really big win and, and just continues to cement our excellent league form. Um, so obviously we're going to a week off now and then into Europe. So really good way to do it. And I'm, uh, I think it's all very positive signs around Sail Sharks at the moment, especially in the Premiership. And hopefully we can do the same in Europe against Ulster uh, in a couple of weeks' time. But yeah, just I think we have to keep remembering how lucky we are to be, you know, after 10, 15 years of uh, um you know, struggling in the league because of lack of resources to be seven out of nine second in the league and, and play really well is uh, massively exciting, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. And and you know, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the 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 game on Saturday. Obviously we're coming to you off the back of sale, beating Bristol twenty five points to, to twenty at home. Um but we, we touched upon this I think in the, the last main podcast that we did. It when you're in this sort of weird period where there's, there's autumn internationals, you've got players going away with England, and obviously there's, there's breaks for the Premier Rugby Cup, and obviously now with, with Worcester, Worcester not around, there's, there's breaks in the schedule there. You, you know, for, for Sale to, to roll out what is probably actually quite close to a, a B team or a reserve team, you know, when you look at the amount of players missing uh, on, on the day on Saturday, and still pick up a win against a, you know, a decent Bristol team, or, or certainly one not doing quite as bad as, uh, or, or at least uh, starting to rebound slightly from where they were last year. I know they're still 10th in the league. Um, it, it's just, it's wins like this that really matter at the end of the year. It's avoiding those banana skin games. It's about picking up results when they're there. And again, obviously, it's, it's a testament, as you've kind of alluded to, to kind of where this club is and where the squad is now versus in previous years, where we can roll out a second team or a 1.5 team and, and still win uh, games and and obviously we now go into a nice long break from the Premiership with with a you know just just short of seventy percent win record. It's a really good place to be in. Um, so so let's get straight into it. Obviously, sell sell pick up the win against Bristol. Um, certainly not a game for the ages, you, you know. And we'll t- we'll do some three word reviews in a bit. But obviously, this was a bit of a, a, a turgid affair. You know, it was very abrasive. It was uh, a lot of defending required by Sale. Um, and, and ultimately, even though Sale scored three tries, it, it wasn't necessarily the most exciting game. I think that's fair to say. So, I guess Alex, from your perspective, you know, what's what's the the kind of highlight of this game for you? You know, is it the fact that we didn't play probably our best and still got up the win? Is it the fact you know the defensive effort was so good? You know, what really stood out to you from uh, that performance? I think it's the defensive effort. I think that that really. Um made the difference in this game because, you know, our 
Our attack was okay, but it didn't really fire. Obviously, we relied on that forward dominance quite a lot, which we knew that um, that's where we can beat Bristol. But this is a very strong Bristol pack with a few returning players in uh, Viri and obviously Lewatura, um in the pack. So it was probably getting towards their strongest pack. So I think um, in an autumn international period, that is. Um, so I think to, to kind of win that battle overall and, and score tries to it was really, really important. Um, but the defensive effort was just outstanding. And, and to be honest, when you know we're defending five metres on our line at the end of the game, sale of old, you'd be thinking, well, Bristol are going to score here. They're going to knock over the conversion and you know that'll be game over. Um, but actually, we managed to hold out in... And you know they were literally 30 centimetres off our line. They couldn't have been much closer if they'd drive. Um, so to have that kind of resolve and and um, defensive ability and organisation that we've seen time and time again from this Mike Forshaw defence, but in the face of a lot of pressure in a really important game, and as you say, with a team that is um, not you know our our first choice team that have been playing together all season, I think is massive. Um, and and honestly, that's the, the difference for me with the win because. This Bristol side are really dangerous still, could have scored loads of points. We obviously did like us to score maybe a couple more tries, but I just think that that defensive effort, it, it's, it kind of comes back to what we've said all along and what we've always said when we play Bristol, which is defence wins championships. And that's what we need to continue to do. But, you know, this is, let's make no bones about it. It's not like it was Saris and, you know, we've held out the best team in the league. But nevertheless, I think it's that mental resolve and just that that difference in the squad to be doing, showing that kind of ability and organisation under pressure, um, and and winning games. And we'll see the difference in the table as a result, won't we? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and the, there's there's some real stats that that bear this out that I did want to pull out. And tackle success rate uh, was was ninety one percent for sale on the day, which is, you know, it, it's very good, but not great. But I want to point out that the team as a whole made 205 tackles and only missed 20 on the day. And that's in comparison to Bristol's 87. So it just kind of shows you just how much more defensive effort the team had to put out. And, and to keep that, that tackle success rate above 90% when you're making over 200 tackles is, is very, very impressive. You know, Possession-wise, Bristol 62% sells 38. Territory, Bristol 61% to 39%. I, I don't know, Alex. It, it, you know, earlier on in the season, we were winning games by scoring tries, and I, I, I don't know if you agree, but it just feels like we, we've once again showed yet another way how this sale team can, can win games. And, and this time, it wasn't by scoring four or five tries; it was by just being absolutely airtight in defence. And you know, how, how important is that over the course of what, what's ultimately going to be a long, still a long season for, for the club? Yeah, it's massive. It's massive going into winter as well because you know it's it's good to win games by scoring loads of tries, but that is much easier in September, October, April, May than it is in you know the depths of December, January, and when the ground's you know a bit boggier and the weather's worse, then that defense is is what wins the games because. You know, we we're, we're a good attacking team now. We're way better than we used to be, but we're still not the best attacking team in the league by a mile. Um, so we can score tries, but I do think that when it comes to like 
in the middle of winter, the defence is the thing you're going to rely on. Um, and that's how you tell the great... And that's why the teams that have won the league generally, you know, you do very well to win this league if you've just got an attack. And it almost plays into the hands of a team like Quinn's, the fact that the final is in May, because it's perfect for their game. But actually, if this league was done on whoever finishes top wins, you would know it's you'd notice it's always Saracens, the Leicesters, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Those teams with a really good defence who top the table because, you know, that's where it counts in the middle of the season and securing that top four place. Um is being able to defend and being able to win ugly in when when the season there's a different conversation about whether this should be a summer league. Um but I think that's what's really crucial for me is that this is exactly the type of game I'm going to get for the rest of the next three months until the weather turns again. So the fact that we're able to win it like that is the really important bit. And we've just got to hope that when we come out of the other side of that in March, April time, our attack is still firing. And I'm sure it will be. But as the ground firms up again, then you bring in back your Aaron Reid. You, you know, you, obviously Tom Robert played, but you bring in back all these players who are fast over the ground and are dangerous. And, and you're saying to them, right, OK, you've just gone through three months of boggy and we've told, we've told you to kick away the ball at every opportunity and we've told you to play territory and leave it to the forwards. OK, it's your time to shine now, Joe Carpenter, Aaron Reid, Tom Roebuck. Get the ball in your hands and, and, and run at people and run around them. So I think it's really important. And I know it's frustrating to watch when we're, you know, always kicking the ball and playing a forward-dominated game if, if you want sort of entertainment and to spin it wide. But actually, it's the way to win the game because, you know, if you if we try and play the attacking game we've played at the start of the season in this stage... It's we it's we're going to be on the other side of these tight results and we're going to be losses instead of wins and we're going to fall down the table pretty quickly I think so definitely the right way to play and and really good to see that many strings to our bow and and I just hope that the attack continues when we get back out the other side of this. So let's, let's jump into some three word reviews and, and thank you to everyone who sent those them in. Uh, Gertha a ground out win. Uh, John Capel uh, Roebuck rises high. Very, it was a very impressive catch by Tom Robert, wasn't it? It was absolutely superb, and I, I didn't even realize. So, when I watched it first time, I just thought, Wow, that is unbelievable! I didn't realize it was over Piertau as well. So, it's just, yeah, it's like, you know, not only have you um taken it in the air at speed and and cruised in for the try, you've taken it under the nose from you know the highest play, paid player in the Premiership. It's um. It's pretty bloody impressive for a lad who's still 21-22. Yeah. Well, it really speaks to, I guess as well, again, the the different way Sal can win games. It's been a long time. Well, that's not true. It's been a couple of years since he had someone like Denny Solomona, for example, who was very good in the air. But it just adds, another, again, another string to the bow in that you can play a territorial game knowing that you've got a good chance of recovering the ball back you know it's, it's obviously never going to happen all the time where robot catches the ball and sprints in on the post but it's just another option it's another way to stretch defenses or make them honor you or you know gain a bit of territory and and you know again it'd be really interesting when we see someone like george ford come back into the team just how much that crossfield kick starts to to get utilized you, you would imagine uh Moving forward, uh, Lewis Medlock, very poor attendance. 
So we're going to talk about that in a minute as well. Danny Sweeney, uh, Bears Dupreated, which I think might be either a very good pun or uh, a slight miss on the, uh, the, the the T and Z on the keyboard there. I'll, 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 I'll leave that to, to the listener's imagination. Uh, David Davis, shockingly low crowd. Uh, Matt Sansbury, another defensive blast. And, and Richard Lilly, Roebuck roasts Pierre Tauser. Lots of love for Tom Roebuck there. Um, Alex, there's, there's probably two things about this game that, that, that I do want to touch upon. Um, one being Sam James and, and the other being obviously the, the crowd figures. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, but before we kind of move on to those talking points, you know, was there anything else that really stood out to you from this from this game? Um, I think that the... We've talked about defence, obviously. I think the physicality we showed was really good as well throughout the team. Um Especially in the forwards, obviously with that back row of kind of two degrees and Jono Ross, it was always going to be a physical game. Um, but I thought Jono actually went really well at seven compared to how I've seen him in the past. You know, we sometimes felt a little bit one-dimensional, but I thought he was a bit more, um, a bit more open in the style of play and, and kind of uh, left the other two to it. I mean, one one real talking point of that back row while I'm on them is Jean-Luc Debrea's hands for Rob Debrea's try in the first half. Unbelievable touch for a big man. Um, really good. Um, but yeah, I think I think that physicality we showed up front and the role in Moore, we always looked way more solid than Bristol. Um, you know, we it shows how far our game has come and I think how far Acker has come since he's joined, that, you know, the line-out functioned relatively well for uh, for a sail sharps line out um and then we were able to take that down into um into malls and just roll over them um which is really important i think and obviously we had them at scrum time as well to a large extent so it was a very good combination of kind of that i just think that forward dominance is the real key piece obviously it's also kind of driven by gus war and rob priya at, at nine and ten in the first half um, sort of, you know, managing that game in that style. The the Rob Dupree kick for Tom Roebuck try probably doesn't get enough love because Roebuck takes it so well, but it's absolutely on the money. It's exactly where it needs to be. You know, Roebuck doesn't have to break stride to take it. Um, so I think that sort of the the front, uh, the forwards and and um, the half backs are really key to kind of implement that game plan. Um, and the only other point I just wanted to pick up was Joe Simpson, who I thought came on and. Had a very good organisational second half, and and the heart he showed to kind of um, when Bristol nearly scored that try, it was kind of him one on one with I can't remember who the Bristol player was, but he holds them up. Carpenter comes in, and then John Luke Dupree pushes pushes them out. Um, I just think that was such a crucial moment in the game, and you know if that's Tommy Taylor, we're going on about oh look at him putting his body on the line for the club for sale, blah blah blah. Well, Joe Simpson did exactly the same, and the. Um, it was a good point in commentary about, which I thought was kind of exemplified by that, about this uh, northern uh, northern grit with South African steel or whatever the line is that um, Axe uses. And it's just, you see it in every facet of our game now. You know, you've got there Joe Simpson, Joe Carpenter holding someone up and Jean-Luc Dupree just coming and pushing them out. You've got Gus Wall, Rob Dupree at 9 and 10, you know, Academy Lard and, and South African sort of import 10, albeit Rob's an honorary mank now, as I'm sure we all agree. Um, you've got Acker thrown into Josh Beaumont at the line now. It's, it's just really, 
it's very much coming together in that style. And I think they are complementary, the old, the, the Northern grit and uh, the South African steel, and it seems to be working well. So those are the kind of the main themes for me. Was there anything else for you that, um, I know I've sort of covered about <laughs> art and team there, but um, anything else from you? Uh, well, I'm really glad you mentioned the Dupreeers. And, and maybe this this is a, a larger point, but when you look at the, the box score from the game and you look at how we're winning games, the, the fact that you've got two test quality players, and let's make no bones about it, if Jasper Visa is good enough to play for the Springboks, so are the Dupreeer twins. When you've got those test level players in your team, um, during the Autumn Internationals, it makes such a huge difference. And the reason why teams like Sale are going well at the moment is, is unfortunately less about kind of how the team has been constructed, you know, about how the team is playing. It's about the fact that Sale's arguably two best players, or at least two most consistent players, are available because they're not being picked for South Africa for, for whatever reason. And I know Jasper Visa played for Leicester on... Um, uh, on Sunday, anyway, because the, the South Africa test fell outside the the Reg, is it Reg Six, Reg Nine window? Can't remember. Um, but you know, I think uh, for for whatever reason, though, those two players aren't getting picked for South Africa, and it's a massive boon to Sale, and it shows a glimpse into how Premiership rugby teams are going to have to start recruiting from this year onwards. You know, the salary cap is going down. Um, you know the the teams are going to be forced to, to realistically play more and more English players and bring them through their academy. So if you're a team like Sale and you saw this with Bristol a couple of years ago, if you can get those very rare players who are test level but not playing test rugby and you have them available all year round, that makes a massive difference to the team. And I think one of the things Premiership Rugby has to be a little bit careful of is teams don't become so small in terms of their squad spend that a team like Sale who can afford to have both the Dupreeers in their team start to run away with the competition just because they're not getting picked for South Africa. I think it's a really delicate balance that needs to be found and it's why a team like Bristol a couple of years ago when you were picking Stephen Luatua who was all black quality at the time, I don't think he is now, um, but wasn't playing for the All Blacks. Charles Pietau who was all blacks quality but not playing for the All Blacks. If you can get a couple of those players, all of a sudden you, you rock it to the top of the premiership. Now, Bristol have obviously fallen off a bit, but I just think it's really interesting. And I think when you come back to this game, you look at who made the, the key play, who made the key plays for sale. Like you said, Jean-Luc Dupree's hands for the first try. Um, I think it was Dan Dupree who scored the second. Or it might be Jean-Luc again. Um, you know, it's one of them scoring a try for sale. That was the difference on the day. Rob Dupree kicking, you know, the penalties. It's a little bit concerning, I think, that you know, if you've got a couple of players like that in your squad, you can win more games than not. But obviously, I don't really care too much because it's Sale who have those players now, um, and, and they just continue to show that when you're playing prem rugby games in the autumn internationals period or indeed the Six Nations period, um, having those players means you're a cut above because those players are just so much better than everyone else on, on the pitch. And I think that's, it's great for sale, but again, something to, to maybe keep an eye out for over the next couple of years when it comes to squad building. Um, Alex, like I said, there's two things I wanted to mention. We'll start with the positive one first. It, it was 200 up for, for Sam James on Saturday, doing 
as, as he's uh, usually found to be doing, playing uh, as the starting number 13 outside centre for sale. I just wanted to get your thoughts, not so much his performance on, on the day, but what, what, what do you think about Sam James's career at sale? And where does he sort of rank in the, the pantheon of, of homegrown talent? Because he's, he's uh, 28 years old now. The England opportunities are probably never going to come. He's going to top out as a, as, a, as a good premiership rugby player for probably more than a decade by, by the time all things are said and done. What, what's his legacy at sale at the moment? Or, or at least what's his legacy on track to be? Because I, I find those conversations just so interesting. Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting to sort of talk about it now and then probably look back in five years when you know he's towards the end of his career and, and see what how we look back on it. But I think the main thing is underappreciated and I think Sale fans have appreciated him in in his time here but never probably quite as much as we should have done to have A, someone that reliable B, someone that talented um, you know he's, his form has gone up and down but overall if you look at kind of what he's brought to this Sale team it's been a consistent creativity at 13 he's played everywhere for the club that you could possibly imagine Um and I think that sort of all feeds into how he's underappreciated. I think if he's underappreciated at sale, he's massively underappreciated in the league. Um, I think opposition players just... It's almost like um, Piers O'Connor kind of ended up getting a bit of a hype uh, a couple of years ago when he was playing for Bristol quite a lot and they were doing well. It's that sort of role that Bristol will know how important Piers O'Connor is, but it took him playing every game over the season and you know, for people to start genuinely talking about him in the terms he probably should have been. And I think that's what Sam James is. He's he's such a talented footballer. He's, I think he's quietly quite a bit of a leader on this pitch. He's obviously played 10 and that's that's helped with that sort of communication and that leadership role. Um, but to have someone like that who, you know, he gets picked week in, week out for a reason. You know, we've, it's, we've never, if you look at who's behind him at 13, there aren't many people, and part of the reason is because there's just no one quite near him in terms of talent. And I think if you took him out of this team and said, right, Sam James isn't playing anymore, you'd find a massive hole in it. And we will never appreciate that until you know he's retired or left or whatever. But I think he's been absolutely huge for sale, and, and I do I don't think we'll kind of quite appreciate that until you know five ten years time, as I say. But as a as a back and, you know, looking at what he's done in that sale team. I just, uh, it just astounds me when you think about the breadth of what he's done and, and how he's been there week in, week out. I mean, 200 appearances um, at 28 is pretty impressive as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the key word is underappreciated to an extent by sale fans, albeit, you know, a lot of us love him, but I just think the wider population of sale fans probably don't appreciate him quite as much as they should um and certainly in the league and and by england at times he's just been under underutilized um because he's such a talented player so yeah i think it's a nice time to kind of reflect with 200 appearances obviously still got a lot of years left in his career um but i think we'll be having this conversation in four or five years time and and we'll be going I mean, we were lucky to have Sam James because 
where would this club have been without him? I, I genuinely, I, I don't know. I think there'd be the the story would be very different looking back. Alex, one thing we do want to talk about, maybe on a slightly negative um, note, is obviously the attendance on Saturday for that sale Sharks game. Um, you know, a couple of people flagged it in the three word reviews, um, but the actual uh, official attendance figure. I'm just going to pull it up now from Premiership Rugby. Was was three thousand nine hundred and sixty nine. Um, look, you know you don't have to be a mathematician to know that's less than four thousand people rocking up to a sale game. And I guess we spoke a bit about this off air. Um, what what are your thoughts on that attendance figure? Because the way I look at it is uh, the game has obviously been been moved around a bit, and, and part of the you, you know, because of what happened with Wasps and Worcester, and obviously the game was moved to BT, etc. Um, but you know, from, from my perspective, it just feels insane that Premiership Rugby are putting a Sale Sharks game on the same afternoon that England are playing South Africa, and Sale FC are also in action. And when you consider, first of all, how well Sale FC are doing and the standard of rugby that they're playing, that is going to be a lot uh, like a pull to local supporters such as yourself. Um, and it also really just strikes, it really just, you know, speaks to me of the, the fact that there doesn't seem to be a lot of common sense thinking from Premiership Rugby. You've put a sale game uh, against two significant uh, pull factors for, for sale fans on a weekend, uh, uh, sorry, in a month where next weekend, there's none of those pull factors. Sale of Sierra away, there's no England game. Uh, and there's there's no rugby being played because sales game against Wasps has been cancelled. Now I know obviously Bristol. I think Bristol are, are supposed to be in action, but I, I, I want to get your thoughts on this because the the more I think about it, the more we spoke about it off air, the the more annoyed it made me. And it just really feels like Premiership rugby are, are, aren't really doing anything at the moment to bolster the game and push the game in a way that means sale games do get more than four thousand fans. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, James mentioned before about Sale FC. Um, and just this is purely personal experience, so not really relevant. But this this weekend, Sale would choose to play Bristol. Obviously, you have to hold the whole weekend until about six weeks before when BT decide what they're going to show. So that's already quite difficult. You, then it gets put on a Sunday. And as someone who wants to go down and watch Sale FC, it being around the corner from my mum and dad's house, and you know it's a good day out, you see a Saturday where Sale FC are at home and Sharks aren't playing, and you think, brilliant, because I've got a season ticket, so I can't really go to Sale FC when Sale are at home. Um, so I'll go to that. And, you know, you you sort it all out, you make your plans, you book, and then all of a sudden the game gets moved to Saturday at 1pm. And as you say, you've, all, you've also got England and South Africa on. You've also put it on BT. So all of a sudden it becomes... Right, okay, well, do I cancel the everything I've set up with Sale FC, a club who, you know, need attendance just as much as Sale Sharks do, if not more, um, to go to to go to Sale Sharks. And that's the I think the frustrating thing for me, and you're right, is that if you're a fan who wants to go and watch some decent quality rugby in South Manchester, you've got two options. And Sale Hamstrung, Sharks Hamstrung by a few things. Number one, the location of the stadium. So let's just contrast the two experiences. If you want to go to Sale FC, you jump on a tram, you're off the tram at Brooklyn's tram stop, it's a two-minute walk away, 
you can park nearby if you need, but you know, really easy to get the tram. There's the brook at the tram stop, there's the little bay, so there's pubs around. There's a really good match clubhouse at Sale FC serving beer, there's pies. You know, you can go up into the, the nice bar if you want for an extra 25 quid. It's 13 quid entry anyway. Um, you watch some rugby, you see some really good players. So there's absolutely loads of style players playing on the weekend. Tommy, uh, Cal Ford, Hugh Davies, Alex Grove, uh, Ricketti Massey White came off the bench. So you, you're seeing good rugby. Obviously, it was a really good result. Uh, FC come back and win 34-31 um, after a dreadful first half. You know, you then, I we stuck around in the clubhouse and watched England South Africa on the big screen with everyone. Um, you know, little toast to Doddy because um, obviously Doddy passed away on Saturday, which we also haven't mentioned, but um, very very sad news. So, you know, it's a real club rugby feel, and then you compare that to going to Sale Sharks. And listen, we're massive Sale Sharks fans, as you know. But let's be brutally honest about what what happened. You know, first of all, as I say, you hold the whole weekend because you don't know when it's going to be on. Whereas Sale FC, you know it's going to be two thirty on Saturday, so you hold the whole weekend. It then gets put on a whatever day it is. So you move around your plans that you might have made otherwise, and you you drive you drive to the Trafford Centre, or you get the tram to the Trafford Centre. Um, you then walk over or queue up and get a shuttle bus over. You know you get to the ground. There's the marquee, or you go inside the ground. You you watch the rugby and the rugby's brilliant, the pitch is brilliant, the stadium's decent. Um, but you know, you you queue in at at the ground and you're getting served by people who don't really care whether you're there or not. Let's really be honest, you know, Sale FC is staffed by members of the club in effect and, and Sale Sharks is staffed by Elio and, and this is a wider conversation about owning the stadium that will change. But, you know, you get a, a five pound fifty pint or whatever it is and you know, it's probably not poured in the best way, but you watch the rugby and then you've got to get home. So you walk back past the sewage works or you queue up for half an hour to get back on the shuttle bus and, and then you get to the travel centre and you, you drive home and you, you probably had one beer. Um, it's just such a different experience. And, and as you say, the problem is that Premiership rugby, so Sale can fix the elements of the stadium themselves what they can't fix is Premiership Rugby messing it around. And listen, we'll all make sacrifices to watch Sale because the rugby is excellent at the moment. The squad is excellent. There's a really good feel around the club. But the harder you make it, the less people you're going to get there. And I think there's a, a Sale are doing so much in terms of improving that experience at the stadium, which has got far, far better in the last two years alone. And, and the before that and will continue to get better the product has improved but fundamentally if you're trying to get people there and i say to them do you want to come to sale on sunday the 27th of november and they go yeah that's fine i'll hold that and then three four weeks before i say let's move to saturday now well they can't make it because you know listen as as i say as a sale fan we used to hold in the whole weekend until six weeks before when bt decide when the game is um, and, you know, some of us might be going to England and therefore can't make it, but most people will hold it. But there's probably 4,000 genuine sale fans, aren't there? And there's if if you want to get that other six 7,000 to fill the stadium, they're going to be casual fans. And it's already hard enough saying, 
yeah, all you have to do is get a jump to the traffic centre and then do half hour walk or, you know, get a get a bus over. And yeah, there's no pubs near the ground, but you can drink at the ground in the marquee and, you know, yeah, then you have to get back. That's already a hard enough sell. If it's then the game moves, they're just not going to come. And, and I think that's the problem that Sale need to attract the the casual fan who likes rugby, who, you know, maybe watches the Six Nations, who maybe watches the Autumn Internationals. Um and you know, we can do that with really good players and with the stadium where it is. It's hard, but it's doable. It's not doable if the game moves, if it's put on a weekend where England are already at home, you're just not gonna you're yeah. not gonna do it. So that's the massive frustration for me and and be interested to get your thoughts on it. But as someone who loves sale and wants to go watch them and has a season ticket, so, you know, should be at every game. If I'm struggling to get there because the game moves around so much, you're never, ever going to sell that stadium out. And that's just the brutal reality of it, isn't it? And I think Premiership Rugby just don't appreciate that. They don't appreciate the nuance of rugby in the Northwest at all. They, you know, frequently were on at the same time as United or City. Um, and they don't appreciate the fact that casual rugby fans, if you put it on the same weekend as the Autumn Internationals, they're going to do something else and they're going to find something else to do. And, and until they do, until they can get an arrangement with BT where you at least know what day the game is going to be on and it stays there, and you know you do it sufficiently in advance that people can make plans... This is going to keep happening. It's, it's going to keep the attendances are going to keep being poor. And let's be honest: in ten years, the game will die because Simon Orange is a very, very generous man to be doing what he's doing for this club. And without him, it wouldn't be here already. And if it carries on like this, it won't be here. So I know it's a real negative after some really good positive chat, but I, I think this weekend has been a real sort of key example of where the risks lie for sale sharks and rugby in the northwest and rugby in England generally. Um, yeah. That, well that that's the thing, isn't it? Which is and we want to be very clear on this point. None of these factors are things sale the club can control. They don't decide the kickoff times per, per se, especially if the game's on TV. They, they currently don't own the stadium so can't control even the catering and, and big aspects of the in-game experience generally. They can't control where the stadium is located. Um, and obviously, they can't control when England play. And I don't know. The way I look at it is there are, what, 11 teams in this league at the moment. There's only five games on. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? There's only five games on a weekend now. It, it shouldn't be so difficult to find a schedule that works when you've got so few teams and, and so many possible options. And again, just to think that Premiership Rugby and BT moved the game to a point where Sale were competing against the local rugby club who are only two divisions lower. Is that right? Yeah, two divisions lower. On the same day, not even weekend, same day that England are playing South Africa at home. How on earth do they expect the game to compete? And, and I noticed as, as well Newcastle, uh, the, the Newcastle game, when they managed to beat... Um, uh, Exeter over the weekend that had less than 4,000 people there it shouldn't be this difficult to find a schedule that works for all the teams and there's been talk about a bit of a schedule realignment uh, after January um, to obviously you know fix the fact that there's two fewer teams now that then that started the season and you really hope that 
Premiership Rugby are going to look at that as an opportunity to really turn things around and say, we're going to find a way to make the schedule work for all the teams because at the moment it's not. And that's the reason why Sale were getting 4,000 at the weekend, not because of anything Sale themselves were doing. Yeah, I think it's just to point out as well, it's it's not hard to do in a place like Twickenham or Leicester. It's because Harlequins and Leicester both sold out this weekend. Um, you know, but they're not the areas you need to worry about because Twickenham, you're always going to find 15,000 people who want to come. Leicester, you're always going to find 22,000 people who want to come because it's it's the heart of... Twickenham's obviously the heart of rugby country anyway, but Leicester is just such a massive club, you know. So they're the ones, you know, if you want a league, I don't know, if you want a league where, you know, everyone's sort of growing together, I think you need to appreciate that in Leicester, you're competing with, well, Leicester City, and that's about it. And everyone else focuses on Leicester Tigers, and it's on a Sunday. I don't think there's any coincidence that, you know, people play rugby on a Saturday anyway. So half of your fan base is gone immediately if you play on a Saturday. Um Obviously, some people need to play on Saturday, but to, to do it on the day of the England game, it's just, yeah, I think there's not very much joined up thinking between Premier Rugby and the RFU and, and the way the international calendar works. But as as we say, you know, we can rail against this and, and be frustrated about it, but it genuinely does need to change because, like you say, two games getting less than 4,000 with the way the game is already. Is, is just, it adds another level of massive challenge. Absolutely. So we, we obviously didn't want to end things on, the, on, on such a sour note, but, but unfortunately it was a massive part of uh, the, the weekend fixture against Bristol. Uh, I guess the, the final thing to mention on this week's pod, obviously no game next weekend for sale because uh, I think they would, were they due to play Wasps and it's been cancelled? Yeah, I think it was think this so. weekend Wasps. <laughs> Quickly, just double check the Sale Sharks fixtures. Um, but obviously, so Sale's next game is actually not until a week on Sunday when they play Ulster. Now, we're not going to do a full preview for, for the Ulster game. Um, but I did just want to ask your thoughts very quickly, Alex, just to round things off and, <laughs> and not leave things on a sour note. Um, obviously, Sale going to the, the Heineken Champions Cup again this year, obviously off the back of being knocked out at the quarterfinal stage two years in a row now. Um the group stage games are tough. You know, they've got Ulster and they've got Toulouse as part of that um, uh, home and away series against two of the teams in, in that eight-team pool. Um, what what are your expectations or, or I guess maybe hopes for, for sale next year? Because, you know, it, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. With, with the way that French rugby has gone, and, and obviously listeners, you can't see this, I'm raising my hand upwards. Um, and with the way English rugby is going and listeners I am moving my hand downwards it is never been more apparent about the gap between the, the, the haves and have nots in European rugby at the moment so for me if Sell make the quarterfinals again I am buzzing with that result I think that's a fantastic result for, for Sale considering the relative weakness of that team versus the rest of Europe at the moment but, but what, are, what are your expectations and or hopes for sales European campaign. Yeah, I think we've got two really interesting opponents in, in Ulster and Toulouse, um, who, you know, Toulouse are miles ahead of us, aren't they? So that is going to be really tough. I think we could maybe beat them at home, but um, a massive challenge. I'd like to think that we can give a good showing against Ulster, certainly at home. Um, 
I'm going to the away fixture, so I'd like to see us win, but I'm fully expecting that we'll get edged out. I don't know. Um, obviously, Irish rugby is a slightly different beast to to French and English rugby in the way it's set up. Um, so I think that'll be really interesting. So I'm excited for them. Um, as a starting point, I think two opponents who I'm not sure if we've ever played either of them. Certainly, don't not sure we've played Ulster before, um, but I could be wrong. Um, I think I completely agree with you. We don't have the resources to get into the semi-final of the Champions Cup, full stop. Um, I think if we did, it would be incredible because we'll come up against someone in the quarter-final who will have the resources. And and the other kind of point to that is the the experience. And this squad has, you know, we've got to a quarter-final before, but... That's as, and we've got to a semi-final of the Premiership, but that's as far as we've gone. I think we're probably in need of a, a proper Premiership run and getting to the final of the Premiership, and and that might give us a bit more of that kind of confidence and nous in those those moments. Obviously, we hopefully have George Ford back for the second two Heineken Cup games, um, and the later stages should we make it. So. Yeah, I think it's a very weird format to the competition, obviously, with those two divisions and um, only playing two opponents home and away. So that's, you know, it makes it more difficult to kind of measure ourselves against the traditional way of, you know, there's a pool of four teams and if you come second, you're probably in with a shout of qualifying. Um, So I'd like to think that we could make it to the knockouts, but honestly... I think you're right. I think a quarterfinal is a really good achievement and I'd be fully happy with that. And, you know, either it's at home and we create a great atmosphere and get a load of people down or it's away and there's a really good away day in it for us. Obviously, the away day at Racing last year um, was a, a genuine, like, sort of privilege to see Sale at that level, I think. Um, and, and great for... I didn't go, but great for those who did go. Um, so it's... It sounds a bit negative, as again, but I I think you're right. I think we've got to accept the reality of where we are in this competition. But we've got four pool stage games in effect to play, um, so I think it's about enjoying those, enjoying having top level European rugby um, live at the AJ Bell, enjoy having a couple of really good away trips. Um, a, f- a first time in Belfast, I think, as far as I know, as I say. So um, yeah, it's it's excitement, but my expectations are. I'll be very happy if we make the quarterfinal uh, and I'll be really happy with that. Get a knockout game. It's quite exciting. You never know what can happen. You know, you, you can win it on a one-off. Um, but I do think the real sort of focus for us this year should be Premiership. Obviously, we'll focus on both, but the Premiership is there for the taking this year. Um, Saracens are a massive threat, but I think we've put ourselves in a really good position I don't think the Premiership's there for the taking because it's easy. I think it's because we're playing well and we've earned the right to be second in the league um, and we should continue that. And, and Europe should be a um, a sort of feel-good side story rather than rather than the main focus. So that'll be the, the kind of um, the view for me. And hopefully we have, if we start with a win against Ulster at home, it's a, Pretty much perfect tie to start with, really. It's the easier of the two teams with no disrespect to Ulster. They're still a really, really good team. It's just Toulouse are incredible. Um, and it's at home. So, you know, we we play that. Hopefully we win and then 
you know, we go away to Toulouse with a bit of confidence under our belts, knowing that, you know, for Rob Dupree, it's George Ford is getting back to business. So hopefully, they, you know, there's a bit more pressure coming on his ten shirt as well. Um, you know, we'll have our internationals back and that kind of thing. So I think it's, I just, honestly, it's genuinely excitement at this, but I think that's because, you know, if we won this competition this year, I'd be amazed. I don't think we're going to win it, but I think let's just enjoy the journey and enjoy the the fact that we're playing some of the best teams in Europe and um, and see where we get to. And as you say, if we get to a knockout, then happy days. Let's, uh, let's go and, you know, have a great away trip or home trip, whichever it is, enjoy it and, and see what happens on the pitch. Absolutely. Well, we'll be with you every step of the way for South European campaign this year. We want to say a massive thank you to everyone who sent in three-word reviews. Thank you to everyone who left such positive feedback on our Autumn Nation series on our, uh, on our Patreon, and we appreciate your support as well. Um, and big thank you to Alex and, and James for, for making the time to discuss all things South Sharks again. So that is the pod for this week. Thank you to everyone for listening, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks to uh, start talking about some European rugby and see how sail fare uh, against uh, the, the heavyweights of, of Ulster and Toulouse. 